Welcome, Jack McIntyre. It's a pleasure to have you here with us at the most recent edition of Brandywine Global's podcasts Around the Curve. I'm Katie Klingensmith, and I'm with Brandywine Global. And today, Jack and I are going to talk about the very interesting topic of what's going on with the treasury yield curve and curves around the world. And this now rather controversial topic around what an inverted yield curve might mean. So with that, Jack, great to have you here. And let's just dive into that first question. What, what does it even mean to say that the yield curve is inverted? And why has that traditionally been a concern to investors? Hey, Katie, uh, it's great to do this with you. Uh, and, and this is such a critical topic that we're addressing today. So yeah, let's do a little sort of uh, bond math, kind of yield curve math. I mean, what, is, what does it mean for the curve to be inverted? And obviously, you know, the whole sense of what curve are we talking about? Because if you listen uh, to different sort of new outlets, strategists, everybody has their sort of favorite parts of the curve that they talk about. But, you know, in very basic terms, I mean, basic inversion just means short rates are higher than, than long rates. I mean, there's different factors driving each part of the curve. We know short rates are driven by monetary policy, what central banks are doing when they tighten policy to try and break the back of inflation, they jack up rates. But then the long end is driven more by sort of, a, you know, inflation expectations. It's a way of kind of confirming, hey, the market believes that the Fed uh, or whatever the central bank is, is going to be successful or, or they're not going to be successful. And again, there's different interpretations, but flattening inverted yield curves warn of, you know, a growth slowdown uh, or the central banks maybe being a little too hawkish. Um, but, you know, again, it's it, as I tell everybody, you know, the curve is just a market. It's market sentiment. You know, sometimes the market's priced correctly and, and sometimes it's not. So it doesn't mean that if we get an inverted yield curve, boom, we're automatically going into a, a recession. But that is the concern, right? That when people see that curve inverted, they think that that it means investors are expecting lower growth or at least lower rates in the, in the longer term than in the near future. Yeah, that's true. But again, we have to also think of what is the underlying price movement of that? Is it a inverted yield curve, sort of a, a, a bear, you know, sort of flattening, a bull flattening? Because underlying it has directional implications uh, as well. And so, you know, what we've seen of late is more of the sort of bear flattening, you know, rates on both the front end and the, the back end are increasing. It's just that, hey, the front end is increasing more because we're in a world, I'd say over the last four months or so, maybe a little bit longer, where the Fed has had to realize that, hey, wait a second, this inflation we're going through is not transitory. Uh, you know, it's been a long process for these guys to kind of realize that. And they realize that, hey, wait a second, you know, we've got to be more aggressive. We've got to tighten policy. So we're just talking about interest rates in terms of the yield curve. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of other factors associated with what the Fed can do. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's key is look at what is the directional bias of the curve and whether it's a, a sort of a flattening or steepening as well. So just before we get into that, and there's a lot to talk about um, for what's going on in the world now, can you, can you help me understand what a bear and bull flattening means? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's basic. So, you know, you go back to your investments 101. So, you know, a bear flattening, uh, you know, or bear move is in our world of bond uh, market, it's, it's yields moving higher. So, you know, embedded in that is prices heading lower. That's the bear sort of component, yields moving higher. And conversely, a bull flattening is yields coming down 
and prices increasing. Thank you. Uh, now, you, you already mentioned that there's a lot that the Fed is interpreting right now, maybe changing their positions. Just to get us started, what does the curve look like today? And, and how has the curve been moving over the last couple of quarters? So, yeah, again, the coupon curve, when I, when I talk about the coupon curve, you know, the starting point is the two-year sector, two-year treasury note on out to the 30-year. And, you know, that's that has been flattening. So, you know, it's an interesting dynamic right now because, you know, the two years far enough out where it's a discounting mechanism. I mean, the market's saying, OK, hey, two years, what's the Fed going to be doing? How many rate hikes do we have to price in? And interestingly, and I've been doing this for a long time, and I know each cycle the market tends to lead the Fed. But I feel like this cycle, the Fed or excuse me, the market's gotten way ahead of the Fed, meaning that there's a lot of rate hikes embedded in that two year part of the, the yield curve, um, you know, and again, I mean, it's the question we have to figure out is whether the, the Fed is going to sort of, you know, meet that, you know, sort of market expectations, exceeded or, or not exceeded. But so you've got two-year rates moving up higher relative to the the longer maturity coupons. And that trend has been in, uh, sort of in play, that, that sort of flattening uh, has been in, in play now for, for months. Because again, I think Kind of coming out of the uh, Omicron experience, the, the Fed sort of realized that, hey, wait a second, uh, we're behind the curve. And they've had to sort of sound a lot more hawkish, uh, you know, because, again, I mean, all the Fed has done so far, you know, is tightened by 25 basis points. I mean, they've used a lot of forward guidance. They've given us a roadmap of how they think things are going to sort of play out. So, you know, that's sort of fully discounted uh, in the market at this point. Bully pulpit is an important one. <laughs> so just staying a bit on what you were talking about with the moves and the curve. So it sounds like the yield curve can be inverted in different places. Does it mm. matter where it's inverted in terms of the signal that it gives us around what will happen with the economy going forward? People spend a lot of time looking at the different sectors and you get inversions for the, the two-year, five-year, five-year, seven-year, et cetera. You know, I take all that with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, you know, when you start getting the bigger inversion and that's sort of looking at the, the twos, tens, twos, thirties, I think that is certainly more meaningful. But again, I'm not, hey, I wouldn't discount anything if certain parts of the yield curve become inverted. Uh, you know, we're going to pay attention to that because there's clearly, as I alluded to, there's a message from the markets about, hey, a little bit maybe of a a growth concern or, you know, maybe the central bank's getting a little bit ahead of itself uh, from that standpoint. But, you know, it, it's um, just like, as I alluded to, I mean, you know, inverted curves are not, they don't cause recessions, you know, they are all symptomatic uh, of that. So again, you know, sometimes the market has a right and sometimes it doesn't. Well, and I think there's been a lot of discussion around the inverted curve this time, maybe not having the same information that an inverted curve has carried with it before. You you really emphasized in, in your introduction the nominal, the inflation expectations near and far out and how much that is reflected in the curve. But I think real is a big part of this too, around long-term growth expectations. Help, help us understand what in this curve you see as nominal and what you see as real and how that might be different from previous environments the last few decades where we didn't have the same kind of uncertainty around inflation. Yeah, this actually kind of ties into uh, the, the, the brand new process because we like to look at sort of uh, after inflation or inflation adjusted 
yields because it it isolates the inflation expectation expectation component. And again, I mean that to, that is the big driver of the long end of the curve. It's it's not inflation. It's more about inflation expectations. And obviously, there's a those are related inflation expectations versus uh, inflation. And you know this is. Uh, not necessarily pure curve dynamics, but it's interesting because we've had low inflation expectations for a decade plus. Why? Well, because inflation has been low. Now we've got inflation uh, running pretty hot. And so the the one year, maybe even out to two year, but not quite sort of inflation expectations have ratcheted up. The longer term inflation expectations have moved higher, but still in the context of, of being anchored. But it's really about looking at the inflation expectation components uh, embedded in the curve. And that's, again, you get that when you start to remove actual inflation from from nominal. Hey, one thing, Kate, I do want to mention, I I kind of was remiss and I didn't mention earlier, but we've talked about the coupon curve, but some people look at the bill curve, you know, the three month to 18 month, et cetera, which is interesting and that's steep. Um, I don't put a lot of emphasis on that because the three-month bill, uh, you know, it's hard to, to discount for the markets to discount uh, a lot of rate hikes, just given how short-term maturity it is. I mean, but the, the takeaway is that if the coupon curve inverts, the bill curve will follow suit. It just means the Fed has to tighten more uh, actual tightening. It's not about market expectations. So, you know, again, as we, if the Fed is as aggressive as what the market expects, uh, the bill curve will eventually become inverted as well. Maybe that's even a more powerful signal in terms of telling us if a, a, a recession is at hand. So I appreciate that. So we'll focus on the coupon curve. I, I want to push you here a little bit more, Jack. So do you think that an inverted yield curve, especially a sustained inverted yield curve on the longer end, is uh, as informative, as suggestive of a recession as it has been the last previous decades? Uh, I do. You know, I, uh, you know, what's the expression? If it's not broke, uh, don't fix it, you know, and or, or, you know, or what is the, the most dangerous phrase like this time's different? Well, I'm not saying this time is different. Hey, if the curve inverts, it stays inverted for an extended period of time. Again, remember, this is all an art, not a, a science, but you can get a lot of information out of that. And the reason I say art versus science is because there's a lag effect. You know, there's a lag effect with anything, with monetary policy, any, any type of stimulus, where there's a lag effect with the signal that the curve gives us. But it tells you, uh, certainly the odds are increasing that, you know, we are going to go through a period of, uh, of recession. So one of the things, Katie, I think it's, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily that black and white. You know, I don't think we have to say, OK, hey, curves inverted, boom, we're going into a recession. But the signal and the powerful signal is, hey, we're going to go through an economic slowdown. You know, and I, I think that's kind of uh, our sort of view, you know, and again, our the market, I think, in some levels anticipate the economy to slow down because the reason being is that we've gone from, uh, you know, V-shaped recovery post-pandemic, a lot of prior stimulus working its way through to sort of the expansion phase and any business cycle, the expansion phase, you tend to, to slow down and not going into recession, but the rate of growth slows down and that can manifest itself again through, you know, the curve dynamics. Uh, but again, the, the longer the curve stays inverted, I'd say the odds are uh, that, you know, that uh, we are going to go into recession. One last point, it's really a function of the stickiness of inflation. Well, 
Well, let's talk a little more about different things the Fed has done and now may have to undo. I, I think mm. quantitative easing and now quantitative tightening is a lot of art and, you know, hopefully ultimately some science from that art. Mm. How do you think the Fed will kind of navigate this curve, the, the implications for the curve and the Fed's thoughtfulness around the curve as they start to let assets roll off their balance sheet or even potentially sell assets? Yeah, I think the Fed is going to listen to the yield curve. I'm pretty sure they probably don't want it to in, invert too quickly and, and stay inverted. So they have some other tools that they can utilize. And as you mentioned, you know, the, the quantitative tightening. Uh, we've seen of late, we've seen a little bit more curve steeping. And I think that's maybe the market's kind of realizing that, you know, quantitative tightening is, uh, you know, it's, it's maybe happening sooner than we expected uh, based on Brainer's comments from a while ago. But, you know, again, embedded in the quantitative uh, tightening concept is that Fed fund shadow rate, you know, and this is, again, this is, this is an art, not a science, because uh, I've seen different numbers associated with this. Let's just say for a, you know, ballpark, uh, 500, you know, uh, billion of, of quantitative tightening might be the equivalent of, uh, you know, 25, basis points of rate hikes, maybe it's 50 basis points of rate hikes. But the point being is that that quantitative tightening, it does have a, you know, inherently the tightening aspect because the implied Fed fund rate moves higher. I struggle a little bit, you know, and I think the Fed is behind closed doors kind of struggles probably a little bit with QE, the, the original goal, because, you know, QE1 going way back post GFC, in response to the GFC was about getting reserves at banks so they can loan them out. That didn't happen. And then Bernanke said, hey, well, I noticed that when I do QE, asset prices increase. So, hey, I can I can save through higher asset prices, meaning I don't have to save my current income. I can go out and spend it. That's pro growth. Well, you know, I got to think QT, you know, has some type of implication, you know, on risk assets. But the, this is, you know, I can distill this down into a very, uh, you know, critical variable factors of, you know, is it, if we have strong economic growth, if, you know, economies and markets are able to withstand this massive reduction of liquidity, it's always issues of when Fed goes too strong, economy slows down, and then you start to get kind of a, a reducing in, in risk assets. A lot of learning that we'll all have to do as we determine the the impact of pulling out that liquidity. Well, so we've talked about how the yield curve reflects different expectations for inflation, for growth, how the Fed is thinking about this with their um, Fed funds policy, but also managing their balance sheet. Uh, overall, Jack, what are your expectations for U.S. rates? So uh, that's the $64 million question. Where are rates going to go? You know, the way I think about it, uh, and I try to keep things as simple as you can, uh, you know, which is sometimes difficult, but yields and rates are going to go higher uh, until something breaks. So I say, you know, the Fed's going to tighten policy until something breaks. Well, what are the things that can break? Well, the best case scenario, it's inflation. Uh, boy, if the inflation can break, infl uh, if the Fed can break inflation, uh, without taking the economy into a recession, that's going to be very good for risk assets. Well, however, the stickier inflation is, the more likely what's going to break is the economy. And associated with that could be the equity market. Because, you know, I, I feel as though the Fed, 
away from rates and, and balance sheet, it's this concept of financial conditions. Um, you know, and I think, you know, uh, when equities are rallying, that's, that's a positive financial condition. Uh, Powell has talked about, hey, the Fed's okay with financial conditions tightening a little bit. I don't think, you know, the Fed doesn't want to drive equity prices lower, but my point is, I'm not sure there's going to be a Fed put uh, unless equity prices really kind of come on, come under a lot of pressure. And, and, and that's tough because there's this wealth effect associated with that. And we know uh, the Fed's household net worth uh, has just gone parabolic since the pandemic. But so, you know, that's one of the things that we've got to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, so it could be if the equity market breaks, that could be a big tightening of financial conditions uh, in here. You know, I'm, I, I, I look at things related to housing, a very interest rate sensitive part of the economy. I do feel as though there are some early signs that housing is, is slowing at the, at the margins. Uh, mortgage rates have spiked up. And this is um, impressive on one hand and a little scary on the other is how quickly mortgage rates have, have moved higher and gotten to that sort of 5% rate. Uh, that's got to be manifesting itself in terms of, uh, you know, sort of making it um, more likely housing is going to slow. We know, you know, housing prices were, were pretty robust and that alone was kind of seeing some negative feedback associated with that. And now you've got high home prices and high rates. So I think that's um, part of the you know economy that could see kind of a, a more meaningful slowdown. So my point being is that I think rates are probably pretty close to pausing. I mean, I'll just leave it at that. I'm not going to give you a great concrete, hey, rates are going to go to, to 3.24%. Uh, that's not our the, the way we think about our portfolios. But um, I think that we've seen a backup in rates where we're due for a, a pause to kind of see how the economy kind of handles these higher rates. I know the Brandywine Global approach is to always look at those economic feedback loops and you know, see how the implications of what's already tightened monetary policy are going to play out for the real economy. Um, just one oh, somewhat related question, Jack, before we bring this to a close. We've, we've been talking about the U.S. Uh, and the yield curve in the U.S. Uh, how different is it? And, you know, especially staying focused on this inverted yield curve, you know, how different is the situation or the curves in the U.S. versus some of the other mm -hmm. developed markets? Yeah, it's a, a key question. Here we are, brand new and global, and, you know, we've got to look at a whole bunch of yield curves, and, and we do. And um, they're not as flat as what we see in the U.S. And, and I, I get it, you know, they didn't, I'm, I'm generalizing here, um, but I think the U.S. kind of led the charge in terms of doing a lot more fiscal stimulus in response to the, the pandemic than other countries. Hey, we know China is actually slowing down. They're, they're doing more monetary stimulus. They need to do more and fiscal stimulus as well. So, you know, the curves are um, outside the U.S. Uh, you know, again, if, let's think about it because, you know, China's slowing down. They've got COVID. So, you know, they're not going to be doing any type of restrictive monetary fiscal policy for a while. But you've got Europe. Uh, you know, which is the proximity to Ukraine-Russia conflict. So that's having an adverse impact on, on growth as well. So the ECB will tighten, but nowhere close to what the Fed. So, you know, North America, you know, is certainly in a better shape. And within that, U.S. is certainly doing well. So the Fed's got to be a little bit more aggressive. We did more monetary, excuse me, more fiscal stimulus uh, as well. So, you know, you've got to offset that uh, with more, you know, monetary tightening. So, you know, the point being is that, I think of the, the major areas, sort of North America, Europe, 
uh, China and Asia that uh, the U.S. curve will probably invert the, uh, the, um, the first because, again, I, the Fed seems very committed to breaking the back of inflation. So let's just bring this all together. Um, we've talked about how there are a lot of different factors that influence the shape of the curve. Um, we have been flirting with that inverted curve in the U.S. more than other places. Uh, just what key advice or insights would you give to our listeners, investors, if we see a yield curve, the U.S. yield curve, invert in a more dramatic and prolonged fashion? Yeah, that means there's been a policy mistake, uh, I believe, or it means it, you know, inflation, which I kind of view more cyclical, uh, because I still, you know, we've had sort of, uh, sort of secular structural disinflation, but the point here is that inflation is turning away from just being cyclical to more structural. You know, I, it's kind of hey, we're getting a little bit more of that. Um, I don't know, 1970s type of style. And, and the point, you know, hey, the inverted yield curve, I mean, if it happens with, the, you know, again, what we alluded to very early, early on with rising rates, you know, sort of a uh, bear, you know, kind of inversion, meaning that, hey, both short rates and long rates move higher in response to that stickiness of inflation, that is not going to be good for risk assets. Um, again, you know, I'm, I'm generalizing, remember, I'm a bond guy. So anytime I talk about equities, take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, it's, uh, uh, I think that, you know, inverted curves are, are typically not great for uh, equity markets. Terrific. Well, Jack McIntyre from Brandywine Global, thank you so much for your time and your insights, understanding the implications uh, and what, what's involved in um, an inverted yield curve or the shape of the yield curve in the U.S. and globally. And thank you so much for all of our clients and listeners today. 